All right, Ephesians chapter 2, I hope you are there in Ephesians 2, starting in verse 1. Think back if you can, and if you can't, it's okay, you can just imagine. What it was like when your mom or your dad or your teacher taught you the ABCs, and they taught you the alphabet. At that moment in your life, that revolutionized your life. You learned 26 letters that had 26 or more different sounds. You even got to learn a song that helped you memorize those letters. And it, we could say it like this, it changed your life from there on out. Now, in whatever grade you're in, from 7th grade to 12th grade, if a teacher stood in front of you or if your parents sat you down to say, hey, let's review the alphabet, you would say, no, I've moved on from that. But really, have we? Here's what I mean. Letters get put together to form these things called words. And words get put together to form these things called sentences. And sentences get put together to form paragraphs, which form communication and conversation. So really, we have not moved on from the alphabet. We've just moved deeper into the alphabet. That's what's happened. Similarly, that's how we ought to view the gospel. For many of us, we think in our brains The gospel is the message for unsaved people to become saved people. It is the message for people that are not Christian so that they can become Christian. And once you become Christian, you move on from that. It's the elementary thing that you start off at the beginning and then you move on. However, if you move on from the gospel, you abandon the very thing that is the foundation of our faith. You do not move on from the gospel. You move into the gospel. And the reason I tell you that is this. The question that we're going to ask and answer tonight is, is God only pleased with us when we perform for him? And for many of us that are asking and answering that question, and for many of us that struggle with this misunderstanding of God, it's because we have moved on from the very thing that frees us from this slavery. We have moved on from the gospel. And for many of you, I announced the text tonight, and you may have thought in your brain, I have heard this text so many times, I, I can't even count them. It's basic, I know it, I could quote it to you. And if you're not careful, what has become common and normal for you will cause what is true and supernatural from God's word to fall on deaf ears. And so my challenge to you tonight is, think about what is being said. Soak it in. Don't necessarily hear it differently, but hear it freshly. Because the truth of this reality is, we do not move on from the gospel, we move into the gospel. And hopefully that reality helps us in answering this question of, is God only pleased with us when we perform for him? So Ephesians chapter two, starting in verse one, I'll read through verse 10. 
The word of God says this, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Here's a statement that I want you to get in your brains. Salvation is extended to dead people by the grace of God alone, resulting in good works. One more time. Salvation is extended to dead people by the grace of God alone, resulting in good works. Let's look at the first part of that. Salvation is extended to dead people. Look back at verse 1. This is what Paul says Speaking of the Ephesians, prior to their belief in Jesus, he says in verse 1, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Here's the first implication of that. All of humanity, apart from Jesus, is spiritually dead in their sin. They are lifeless. They are dead in their sin. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says it like this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of of God, everyone, all, everybody is dead in their sin. They don't have a little bit of life. They don't have a glimmer of life. They are wholly, completely dead in their sin. But it's not just that we are dead, but prior to faith in Jesus, you cannot help but sin. Because prior to faith in Jesus, your nature is sin. It goes on in verse 2, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of obedience. Verse 3, among whom we all once lived, check it out, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 3 describes these things that you did. They were in you. It was your desires because that is what your nature was. You don't, you are not a sinner because you have sinned. You sin because you are a sinner. You are a child of wrath prior to belief in Jesus. You are completely dead. And prior to faith in Jesus, you cannot help but sin. You will choose nothing but what is sinful, what is against God, what would be rebellion against God. But that's not where it stops. It doesn't just stop at salvation is extended to dead people. It moves on that salvation is by the grace of God alone. Look at verse 4. But God being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. This is the truth. God's action for dead sinful people was motivated by his own mercy and love. And that's it. That's what it says in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, 
Because of the great love with which he loved us. The motivation for God to extend salvation to dead people was God's very own mercy and love. That is it. You have been given grace by God because of his own good pleasure. He simply chose to extend it to you. Not because you proved yourself worthy of it. You didn't show yourself to God and he thought, you know what? You could be good on my team with a little bit of work. Rather, God in his own kindness, in his own sovereign choice, extended salvation to you. Because you were dead and dead people offer nothing to God. Salvation is by the grace of God alone. And so that means it comes to us by the mercy and love of God, and that is it. Additionally, it also means that dead, sinful people are made alive through faith in the work of Jesus. And now, we're seen as Jesus is seen by God. Look at verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. This is the truth. If you are now a follower of Jesus, this is what salvation has accomplished for you. If you are a Christian, what is true of Jesus is now true of you. What God thinks about Jesus, God thinks about you. What God sees in Jesus, God now sees in you. What is, what is given to Jesus is now given to you. So when God says at Jesus' baptism, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now that you are in Christ, God looks at you and sees Jesus and says, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Not because you offered anything, not because you brought anything to the table, but because of Jesus in your place. And that is it. Our salvation and standing before God hinges on the work of Jesus in our place. Your salvation is wrapped up in this phrase, in Christ. In fact, we see that all over the scriptures. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. Where? In the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Finally, Colossians 3.3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. In light of the gospel, if you are a Christian, God cannot be any more pleased with you than he already is because you are in Christ. Your salvation is wrapped up in the person and the work of Jesus. You stand before God initially and continually in Christ. There is no other, there is no other way. And as a result, what God says about Jesus, God now says about you. 
Next, we find that God is the sole contributor to our salvation. Look at verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It's like Paul goes out of his way to explain to you, you have contributed and you will continue to contribute nothing to your salvation. God is the sole contributor of your salvation. He says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. You offered nothing, you brought nothing, you bring nothing. It's a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let's just break it down like this. Earned grace is not grace at all. Grace by definition is not earned. So for you to think in your brain, I could perform for God to earn grace. Friend, that is not grace, that's a wage. Grace by its very definition means you did not deserve this, but it's being extended to you anyway. And this is how we have received salvation, by grace, through faith in Christ. We do not contribute anything to it. For many of you, at this point, the thought in your brain may be, I understand that. Kid, I already know that. I know that I was dead in my sin. I know that I couldn't do anything to save myself. I know that salvation is by grace alone. I get all that. I've heard that my whole life. I get it. It's in my brain. I get saved by grace through faith in Christ. But what about life after that, Kate? What about life after I am saved? Isn't that message that you just talked about just for salvation? It's just what gets us in. What do I do now that I'm a saved person? Where do I go from here? And if you're not careful, you'll move on from the gospel instead of moving in. And you'll be asking this question, is God only pleased with me if I perform for him? You can identify, you can identify that you're the kind of person that thinks this way with a couple of questions. I'll ask you a few questions and maybe if this identifies you, you might think this way. Do you think that God feels disappointed with you or regrets saving you when you fail, when you sin, or when you fall short? If so, you might be viewing God as only pleased with you if you perform for him. Do you think that God distances himself from you when you fail? When you mess up, do you think God's walking away? He's turned his back. If so, you might be seeing God as only pleased when you perform for him. Do you think that God feels happier with you when you read your Bible more, when you pray more, when you show the church, or when you share the gospel? When you obey, do you feel like God is happier with me today because I've obeyed? If so, you might be seeing God as only pleased when you perform. Finally, do you think that God should or will give you more favor when you make sacrifices for him? When you make the hard choice, when you choose to follow him and it costs you, do you think this is really going to earn me some favor with God today because I've sacrificed big for him? Is that what you think? Because if you do, you might be identifying that you see God is only pleased when you perform for 
But here's the truth. The message of the gospel is you're dead in your sin. And God, simply by his grace and by his own sovereignty, has extended salvation to you. You contributed nothing. You can contribute nothing. And he has brought you into his family and he has united you to Jesus. And because you contributed nothing to your, your salvation initially, you can contribute nothing to your standing before God continually. You stand before God right now. Whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, you stand before God right now and the, the Father looks at you and is pleased with you because of Jesus in your place, not because of anything you've offered. And on your best day, it's Jesus in your place. And on the day where you blow it, it's Jesus in your place. On the day that you drag in thinking, I couldn't have disobeyed more today. I couldn't have missed it more today. And you want to heap on guilt. Or you want to get on the spiritual treadmill to try to perform for God so that he'll be happy with you again. What you ought to do is remind yourself of the gospel. That God has extended grace in Jesus. I've contributed nothing and can contribute nothing. And God doesn't look at me with shame or disappointment. He doesn't shake his head and say, I thought you were better than this. No. He looks at you and sees his son who has died and risen and is seated at the right hand of the father who he's pleased with. And so when God sees you on your best day and on your worst day, pleased. And he cannot be more pleased with you than he already is. You don't increase God's acceptance of you. You're already in if you're in Christ. You don't increase God's pleasure with you. You already have it if you're in Christ. You don't increase your inheritance as a son of, or daughter of God because you already have it. You are in Christ. So, O oh, follower of Jesus, who thinks God's only pleased when you perform for him, you don't need a, a list of rules to be more disciplined. You need to remember the gospel. You need to preach the gospel to yourself. You need to not move on from it. You need to move into it. It is our hope. There is no other way. The only way to combat this misunderstanding of God is with the gospel. Now, perhaps the question on the table from you is this. If my standing before God is based on Jesus in my place, and I contribute nothing and can contribute nothing, and on my best day or my worst day, it's Jesus in my place, then does it really matter how I live? Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The result of your salvation, the result of you being in Christ, is good works. Our new life in Christ results in new living. 
now. John 15, verse 8, says it like this. This is Jesus to his disciples. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. The evidence of disciples is fruit-bearing, good works. You could read Galatians chapter 5 and see the fruit of the Spirit and say that is the fruit that disciples bear. Does how we live matter? Yes. Why? Because it's just who you are now. Your new nature demands it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 has said, If anyone is Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Meaning, you're something different. Your old nature was sin and death, and you couldn't do anything but that. But your new nature is alive with Christ. You've been hidden with Christ, and you cannot do anything except for that. When you operate otherwise, you feel the tension in you. Some of the tension that you feel, some of the guilt that you feel, some of the the, the weirdness that you feel when you fail and when you sin, it's because you are acting in contradiction to your new nature. You're acting in a way that you are not made for anymore. It would be like in a silly way. It would be like a fish hopping out of the tank and desiring to play fetch, attempting to bark, trying to chase the mailman, trying to act like a dog. That would be odd. Why? Because it's in contradiction to its nature. It's a fish. It does fish things. It swims. It breathes with gills. It eats flakes that you dump in there. It's a fish. It does fish things. In the same way, if you're in Christ, you have a new nature, you're a new creation, and you now do new creation things. And those are good works that God prepared for you beforehand. So when, when you fail and you're like, oh my gosh, I feel this guilt. Oh my gosh, I feel this weirdness. Oh my gosh, I just feel like something is off in me. Maybe it's because God is far away. Maybe it's because I'm not actually saved. No, that's not the deal. It's because you're identifying that I am acting in a way that is not in line with who I am anymore. It's not my nature. I'm something different. And so you're feeling this war inside of you, of your new nature trying to play itself out in your life, but you've rejected it and you've fallen into sin. So the way forward is not get on the treadmill to prove to God that I'm good so that he'll bring me back in. The way forward is repent. Remember the gospel and go live in line with your nature. Go live like who you are now in Christ. I am wired this way. Every single day, I have to fight voices of myself saying, God is disappointed. I mean, it's, it's, it's this far for me. And maybe you think this is ridiculous, but this is where it is. Okay, you set an alarm for 6 o'clock to get up and read your Bible and you got up at 6.40. What do you think God thinks about that? Shouldn't you have been more disciplined than that? I mean, after all, God did what he did for you. You could get up at 6 to read your Bible. 
and I heap shame on myself. Okay, you felt prompted to share the gospel with that person and you didn't do it. How many times do you think you're going to mess that up before God just quits on you? Okay, you felt prompted to pray with that person who's in a hard spot and you didn't. You just got, you, you felt awkward and you punked out. How many times are you going to bail on that before God bails on you, Cade? And so what I do is I think, God, I, I'm just, I'm so sorry. I feel like your biggest disappointment, I'm, like I'm a pastor. I can't get this right. All the while the words from God are, hey, you're my kid. I can't love you any more than I do. I've given it to you in full in my son. There's none left to give. I'm not giving you condemnation. I'm giving you access. I'm giving you mercy. I'm saying get in here. I'm saying I don't care what time your alarm goes off. I just want to sit with you. Would you just come and listen? I'm saying I don't care. Kate. Be, be convicted about sharing the gospel with people. But don't, don't guilt yourself, man. It would be just like the enemy to speak that guilt to me such that I think, you know what, if I can't get it right, I'll just not do it at all. That voice isn't from God. It would be just like the enemy to guilt me so much that he renders me ineffective. And the same is true for you. I don't know what it is that you put on yourself. I don't know if it's a, I don't read my Bible enough issue or I don't show up to church enough issue or I don't listen to the right music enough issue or I don't, I don't know what it is for you. But fill in the blank. What is it for you that you feel like if I did more of this, then God would be happier with me than he is? Speak that to yourself and then call it a lie and forget it. God cannot be happier than he is with you if you're in Christ. You have every bit of his favor and his grace and his pleasure because you are hidden with Christ. You have been raised with him. You are something different now. And so on the moments, tomorrow, I will wake up to an alarm. And inevitably, I'll hit the snooze button because my kid was screaming at 5.30 in the morning to come get his freaking bear again. And I'll think, I just, I just want to sleep for a few more minutes, for a few more minutes. And a few minutes becomes an hour. And I'll wake up, and if I'm not diligent, I'll hear the voice. Don't you think God deserves better than that? Don't you think if you were really disciplined, don't you think if you were really a good follower of Jesus, you would get up when your alarm goes off? Or, I could say, God is fully pleased with me in Christ. I am God's kid. I have the full pleasure of God right now. I have full access to God right now. And his invitation to me is, come and sit. Let's open them up. Let's talk. I love it when we talk. I don't care what time it is. Sit down. 
and I need to preach the gospel to myself. I've contributed nothing. I will contribute nothing. God's goodness to me has nothing to do with me and everything to do with Jesus. So look at me, follower of Jesus. God's goodness to you has nothing to do with you. And that's the best thing you could hear today. It has everything to do with Jesus. You didn't earn it. You couldn't earn it. You'll never earn it. God in his kindness has just extended it to you. That's really good news.